Who you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm loco? loco? Hey guys, it's Michael Cantu of the San Diego Padres, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Donovan, are are you okay over there? I are do. you all right? <laughs> I think I, you're going crazy. You know, I'm going a little insane in the membrane, and I think a lot of the Padre fans are. Um, there is so much happening down in the minor leagues right now. Um, and there's so little happening uh, that it's starting to really show in myself um, in, in the major league team. And if you guys don't know what, uh, what Roy's talking about, I um, last night, I was just looking on Twitter. We, um, you know, another really horrible loss, another, another well-pitched game by, you know, Marcus Stroman is a really good ball player. And right. I love watching that kid pitch. Um, right. I was just hoping he was going to have a tougher outing against the Padres, which is a very, um, which is a very tall order. But I kind of went on what I think uh, the team, why the team is the way they are, why they're playing the way they are, and um, not necessarily what they need to fix it, but that God bless the minor leagues because that's my refuge. Because I'll watch, I'll start in Fort Wayne, and then you know, then I'll start watching the Double A game in San Antonio, and then. By that time, the Padres game is getting ready to start at six, you know, six, seven o'clock ish or so, depending on where they are. And then I'll be hitting up the El Paso game and having those games. And then just I will watch that to not throw stuff at my television because you know it's a very expensive television. But you know what I mean. And, and yeah, and, and if you guys don't want to go back and read it, and it's essentially, I think I feel that you know te- uh, that. Mercado certainly started the season hurt. I don't know anything. I just feel that way. Um, and I think uh, Bogarts, you know, started really hot. And that wrist started to bug him. And, you know, as fans, they're not going to tell us every time, oh, he's, oh, he's, you know, he's playing with 70%. Oh, he's, he's playing hurt. They're not going to say that until it's absolutely necessary. And that wasn't right. absolutely necessary. And And after the first two weeks of Bogarts having a really good week, you know, really good start. He kind of tailed off. Right. And- Some people pointed out he got hit on the wrist by a pitch by Spencer Strider. And that right after that was when it seems like he kind of went down the, the tubes. So he had a cortisone injection on that wrist before the season um, and got off to that great start. And then all of a sudden, just boom, it's like the power was gone. He started striking out at everything. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Manny's been hurt this whole this whole time. Um, and there was, they said something about his back maybe before preseason, you know, yeah. they're never forthcoming with, with, with players health, nor should they be. Uh, but it's been clear that he hasn't been the Manny Machado that he has. And I, uh, Ben Higgins made a good point that everywhere Manny's gone, the team has gone where Manny goes when yeah. he's been good. The team has been good when he's been bad. The team has been bad. That was true in Baltimore. That was true in LA. That's been true here so far. And so even with all these other superstars, he's the captain. And so when he starts popping again, yeah, I, I feel like that's going to kind of help write the ship. It's just, when is, when is that going to happen? But what I'm seeing is this, it's, it's it's like manic depression. Maybe that should have been our song, manic right. depression. Because one day, one day they're out there scoring, they're putting up seven, nine, ten runs, right. and then the next day they're facing a, a starting pitcher with an ERA of six point something, and they can barely get a hit out of the guy. And it's just, who are you? Are you Doctor yeah. Jekyll? Or are you Mister Hyde? And it's yeah. it's it's aggravating. So I'm glad that you have the solace of of flipping on the minor league feed and trying to to block out whatever's going on with the major league team. Because right now, if you I, mean, I see I'm on Twitter way too much, and it's, as we all are. are, just losing their minds over it. Yeah. Like today, did you see? I've got a note here in our in our major league minute. Uh, so they had, they closed the doors for 10 minutes to the locker room and then they were handing out flags to everybody. And then they opened the doors open and they had proud to be an American and these American songs and people on Twitter are like, well, this is some stupid stuff. Turns out 
uh, Coach Heberto Andrade, the bullpen catcher, yeah. he got his U.S. citizenship today. So they were nice. celebrating that. That is a an amazing, a fantastic thing to celebrate. So super proud. Kudos to him. And it's a cool moment for the team to celebrate. But Padres Twitter's losing their mind because the team did something for five minutes before the game. Right. It's like, oh, this is uh, I that yeah, people are just looking for a reason to jump off the yeah. ledge right now. Yeah. And holy and, smokes. And and we are, and and we are. And um right rightfully or not rightfully so, but you know, this is what happens when when our expectations, you know, this is like we're used to being a really bad team. And then all of a sudden the owner spends some money um and they do not produce. And you can almost say that they signed a guy that you know, is going to be, could be quite easily injury prone. And they're even mentioning potentially surgery in the future. It was mentioned that he's not going to have surgery, but he's not going tonight. That was on Twitter from, I think, uh, Kevin AC. Um, right. You know, I'm surprised whereas, to see Odor's starting leadoff today after watching yeah. him hobble his way to second base the other day. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, they're, the team is raining on our parade. <laughs> well, there are a couple of things, a couple of, you know, bright glimmers of hope to look for in there. So friend of the podcast, Tom Cosgrove, he still has not given up a run, knock on wood. Um, he's been outstanding for the team. Uh, Drew Carlton has done a really good job since coming up. I and mean, yesterday, Ryan Weathers came out and he was not right. He didn't have his location. And I mean, the game was already out of hand by the time Carlton came in, but then he showed up and gave him a couple innings of really solid uh, emergency long relief and that's been his role and he's he's done really well at it um and then i, I don't know if uh, it was before or after we spoke last time but the padres claimed gary sanchez off the waivers from the mets and i wasn't sure how that was going to go to begin with but they've given him the lion's share of the starting time and he's so far he's Ran done pretty it. darn well yeah a couple yeah. little spots where you can point out, okay, there's the Gary Sanchez defense. Um, you know, the framing isn't the greatest. He's got a cannon of an arm. Um, you know, there are things that he's not the best at, but the guy's got pop. And at the same time, I've seen some at-bats where he's kind of shortened up a little bit and he's willing to go for the single and like the situational hitting kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I'm no baseball coach, but I kind of feel like there's, you've got a lot of players with long swings and, so you get a runner on second and they want to drive everybody in, like just get that guy in a base hit gets him right. in. Right. We're making keeping it so simple. And and to talk about the mess, I just read here uh, before I came on, you know, uh, Steve Cohen threw a chair at a meeting with Buck Walter and his coaches. Okay. Um, and then quote unquote expletive, go to your press conference. All right. Straight from the, the book of, uh, of coach Knight. You know, um, so we're not the only ones that are are not playing to expectations. Oh, no, no. The Phillies are last place in the AL East right now, or NL East. And they've got a bigger payroll than the Padres, I think. I So, I mean, it goes to show, it doesn't matter how much money you spend. Yeah. You, it, it, you can't just put together the pieces and expect it all to work. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the Rays, and they're operating on a shoestring budget, as they always have. And they're world beaters right now. And that's what they've been doing for a while now. And you yep. know, before before when they started coming up, you know, with Longoria and Snell when he first came up, you're like, of course they're getting good. They've had the first round pick for like the past ten years or whatever. Of you know, some of those guys are going to hit. Well, it turns out it's the organization how they develop, how they, you know, and and the guys that they do pick up, how they do well. Uh, Arez, Arez, I can't. Is, is it? Yeah, Arez Luis Arez, Arez, Yeah. Arez, oh you know, no, he, he went to the Marlins. He's with the Marlins, yeah. not the Rays. Okay. All right. Um, you know, there's a couple of guys that are cast off from other teams. Uh, Rosarena, I believe, it came over in a trade or was it was a cast off. Well, look at their catchers. They've got they've got Christian Bethencourt and Francisco Mejia as their two catchers. I had two guys that came through the Padres organization and everybody kind of looked at him and went, Meh, I don't think he's it. Yeah. yeah. And now here they are, you know, leading this world class pitching staff and doing a fantastic job. So just yeah. it, it, I can understand why people are out there scratching their heads, wondering about the people in the Padres front office, their player evaluation, the advanced scouting, the whatever. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I, I guarantee you, everybody in those offices is doing their best to try to figure out what the heck's going on here. 
uh, you know, it's just got to find the magic sauce, whatever yeah, that magic sauce is. I don't know what it is. You, you know, it might just be some lukewarm porridge this season. I know it's super early still. It's not super early, but you know, at the, and what I said on Twitter was, you know, at this time of the season, you kind of know what kind of team you have. You have a character of the team. You kind of have, um, you know, how they, they're, they're going to win the one run games. Are they going to come back a lot of times? You, the kind of the character of the team is pretty much set by this time in, you know, in, in the season. And right now it's set as lukewarm porridge. You know, and that's, that's something that concerns me is their, their record in close games. Their, their, the, how, how rare it is for them to come back late in a game. Um, I don't think they've won a uh, extra innings game yet. Nope. And it seemed like for the last four or five years, the teams stunk, but somehow had an ability to win those close games. They just didn't have the ability to blow teams out of the water. Well, now yeah. you got an offense that can blow the doors off every once in a while. I, we're just waiting for that time when they start doing it regularly. Yeah. Well, you can't do it when four of your guys, you know, there's nine guys in that lineup. And when five of them are sub 20, 250 hitters, um, you know, even at the best, uh, you know, at the best of their seasons, uh, they're pushing around 250. I think Crone was 260 ish yeah, a couple of years back and you know, had what, 17 home runs. Same thing with Grish. Grish hitting the two. 50-ish range and then had a ton of home runs. Um anyways. Yeah, but you get the guys at the, you get the guys at the top to start hitting and yeah. it's contagious. And then those guys will start hitting better. But yeah. <sighs> but we got right, so I have I have one last <laughs> little note here on the minor league minute, and that was that Alfonso Rivas, they the Padres selected his contract, which kind of came as a surprise to me. Um yeah, yeah, they they sent uh, they sent Jose Azokar down, and they brought up uh, Rivas. He's been hitting well. Doesn't hit for a lot of power. He's a first baseman, kind of an on base percentage guy. Um, it was an interesting timing of his call up, especially right with Odor, you know, kind of tweaking himself. It's like mm, they could use a little more depth on the infield, but I guess that's where Cronenworth, you know, you can move Cronenworth over, you can move Kim over, and they've been having to do that quite a bit this week. Yeah, and definitely. Uh, so let's hope Rebus gets some more at bats, um, and you know we figure something out. But let's move on to the minor league news. For those of us that are still with you, <laughs> for those of you that are still with us, um, so Matthew Libertor has graduated from the MLB pipelines list. He's no longer on the list, so that made room for Robbie Snelling. He is now the tenth best prospect in all of Major League Baseball per MLB pipeline, which is incredible because he's still just an A-ball. That's an insane leap. Yeah. That's 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 pretty crazy. That is. Uh, he's off to an amazing start this year. Uh, but I mean people don't make that kind of a jump like that. Yeah. I um you know, one of the things on Thursday, I was gonna go up there, do the interviews and leave. Um and then come back on Friday when that's usually when Snelling has been pitching. But I found out, you know, that he was pitching on Thursday. So I did the interviews, stuck around and watched his start on Thursday. And once again, yeah. just dials it in with a fastball has a pretty gnarly changeup. He got some really funky swings on the changeup and had eight strikeouts and five innings. Go ahead. Well, that's all I got there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ah. I could edit this little bit out, uh, but I'm I'm looking on their on the MLB pipeline, and Snelling's not listed. Hmm. Well, that was a usually when somebody graduates, somebody comes in in the back end, and Salas is at 86. Okay, well, that was tweeted from MLB pipeline this weekend, so I um that's where I put it in. And for somebody to show up on the list and pop all the way up to 10 is pretty bananas. Um, okay, let's uh, let's take the next I'm scrolling minutes. this real quick because I want to make sure that we're right. That's it was it was last weekend. Yeah, it was like last week. Yeah. Meanwhile, James Woods is Rushing double A pitching. Oh yeah. Okay, top ten left-handed pitching prospects. 
Oh, is Libertor left-hander? Is that what it was? Yes. Okay. So then let's edit that out, and I can go back to saying. There we go. Okay. Three, two, one. <clears throat> so just this week with the graduation of Matthew Libertor, um, Robbie Snelling has now cracked the top 10 of left-handed pitching prospects in all of Major League Baseball, according to MLB Pipeline. MLB Pipeline. That's outstanding. I mean, the yeah. last time the Padres had a top 10 left-handed pitching prospect, it was some kid named Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, and I look back, and it was, um, Libertor was was drafted the same year, um, I think. As McKenzie Ryan Weathers. Was, was Ryan, I think it was Ryan Weathers. I thought it might have been Gore, but it, it was Ryan question, Weathers. Right. The big question was, do we take Libertor or do we take Ryan Weathers? And, yeah, you know, it, it's both of these guys have been kind of a crapshoot. They have, they have, yeah. I mean, Libertor struggled to to control his stuff. Yeah. He's since day one, he's had the better stuff. It's just with with Weathers, you get the pedigree, you get you know his his body. He seems more like built for being an innings eater. Where yeah. with Libertor, you have something that you could dream on, possibly being a friend and kind of a starter. Um, now Libertor has made his MLB debut. He's pitched a little bit, and now. You know, he's graduated, he's pitched enough innings, but, you know, still hit and miss. And I guess you can kind of say the same with, with McKenzie Gore. He had his trials and tribulations, and after coming up, he's uh, he's done well at times. He's struggled at times, but that's baseball for you. That's so, baseball. Snelling, I pulled up Go I pulled up uh, MLB Pipeline's report here. Uh, for Snelling, they're giving him a – so this is on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. They give his fastball a 55, his curveball a 60 – his change up a 45, uh, his control and overall grades to give him a 50. Uh, so they say a universe exists in, in which Snelling went to Arizona, Arizona this year as a two sport athlete playing both football and baseball. Um, and so I remember when the, after the draft, that was the question, like, you know, he played football. He was such a good football player. How is he going to, how's his body going to change, you know, to, to be a, a baseball body. Cause they're obviously yeah. very different things. Uh, but Snelling is making a strong statement already this year. At 19. Yeah, yeah. At 19. Yeah, so good for him. Absolutely. So I, if you've been keeping track with the minor stuff, I, all up and down the Padres system, pitching has been the story, yeah. especially lately. This last week, it seemed like every day, every single level of the minor system, somebody was putting in a stellar pitching appearance. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and some of them that had been doing well, didn't do too well. Um, and, and so that just goes with development. So if we are, if the Padres were to make a trade, I don't think the new trade is Snelling, uh, but they could, there are other options in there that you can, uh, you could trade possibly to get uh, something that maybe you need, maybe a fourth outfielder or, or maybe even an outfielder or maybe even someone, you know, in the infield, I don't know Would but there are options. I don't think, they're going to do that. I think they might just stick with what they have. And, yeah. I don't know and, if there's going to be that kind of a blockbuster trade this year. I, yeah. I feel like the, the pieces are there. It's just a matter of finding a way to make them work. And then the guys that you have in the minors, all these guys that are performing well, they're all at the low minors. Yeah. So they aren't really all that proven. Um, I mean, even Jackson Merrill, he's in high a, he's having a pretty good month of May. Uh, but people don't really believe how good of a prospect is somebody until they get to double A and start to prove themselves there. So you could even argue that the Padres could hold on to Jackson Mer Merrill for another year and he'd be more valuable as a trade asset. Uh, but then when Merrill walked into the Padres clubhouse and, and met with Jack, uh, with, with uh, Bogart, he's Bogart. like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here to play with you. I'm here to yeah. win by your side. <laughs> and I, I want to hang on to all these guys. Hell yeah. Prospect hugging to the day I die. All right. So somebody we talked about a lot last year was Ryan Berger. And Mar Mad Friars had a really good interview uh, with Mar Ryan Berger that they just published this week. So their interview, the uh, little intro here, they said drafted in the sixth round in the 2021 draft out of West Virginia University after throwing just 11 
innings in Arizona after being drafted. Burgert spent last season in high A Fort Wayne, posting a 5.84 ERA across 103.1 innings. That 5.84 ERA, I will point out, he had so many really good weeks. So a handful of bad outings will you know make that whole ERA look bad. But he was he was probably their best starting pitcher last year. So this season, the Ohio native has returned to the Summit City and the results have improved significantly as he's worked to a 1.69 ERA in 32 innings. His success has come despite a jump in his walk rate from 9% to 15% and a strikeout rate that has stayed flat. However, with a revamped repertoire, Burgert has kept Midwest League hitters from squaring him up as often as his home run rate on fly balls has dropped from 3.1, dropped to 3.1 from 15.1, and opponent's BABIP has followed from 376 to 260. His last start of May punctuated a dominant month that saw him allow only two runs in 18 innings across four starts for a 1.0 ERA. So, Mad Fires. You're off to an excellent start. What is the primary reason for it? Burgert, I've cleaned up my delivery a little bit. My velocity is maintained throughout my whole outing instead of dropping off like last year. I'm going deeper into the games and throwing as hard or harder as I did in the first, which has been real positive for me. You've dinged yourself a little with the walks, but the hits per inning have gone down since last year. Honestly, I was watching my stats too much as opposed to this year. I'm trying very hard not to. <laughs> so I don't know them that well, but yes, I have noticed that. So that right there speaks to you. You have to pay attention to the process, not the results. You have to focus on what you can do to influence the next. So watching your stats does you no good. That's, right. I mean, I guess you can digest after a game. Okay. I walked too many guys. I gave up too many ground balls. I, this and that, uh, but you use that to interpret, okay, what do I need to do to get better? rather than just focusing on, oh, I got to get my strike up rate up so it looks better. Right. So you're manipulating stuff. You're trying to do, you're trying to not, you're not trusting your stuff and you're trying to make it do perhaps what it's not ready to do. Um, so it's a combination of throwing harder consistently and not throwing a, tra 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 a traditional curveball. I've moved more to a sweeper slider and I'm working on a different type of changeup. It's the velocity and I can throw more pitches in the zone to get outs. Yeah, it's funny that we've had this new language. You know, I've heard the term slurve as long as I've been around baseball. Yeah. Uh, but now it's something that you actually see labeled. And they and the sweeper is a whole new thing. It's not a new thing. Guys have been throwing sweepers for decades. It's yeah. just a new label they're putting on it. Yeah, and that's MLB sending email out to everyone. Start calling the slider a sweeper. So what has been your most significant improvement from where you were last year at the beginning of the season? My fastball has gotten better. The velocity has improved, which is why the organization has told me and right now that they are very velocity-based. The way they look at it is no matter what you have, it will play better if it comes in harder. That's been my goal, and it's my biggest, and it's the biggest thing I've been working on. So Rob Marcello is the director of pitching development. Uh, terms something like that. I know Brian Price is involved in all of that. Um, I feel like a lot of the language we've seen from the players and also from the coaches a little bit has changed this year versus what we saw a couple of years ago. So that right there, you know, focusing on velocity, but the understanding that you're not throwing harder just to throw harder. It's because your stuff works better. You know, right. a slider with more velocity is going to have not just more break, but it's going to have late break. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely and he doesn't say he, where he went to go work with it. So I'm sure they're letting these guys do you know, either with the plan or go work with other pitching coaches in the off season or other organizations that, that allow for that velocity tick uh, from a guy that maybe necessarily didn't have it before. Right. I mean, you've got, I mean, driveline was a whole new thing when yeah. driveline was created, whatever, 10 years ago. Uh, but now you've got, I mean, it seems like every town has something like that, yeah. some sort of a pitching lab where you've got these biomechanics gurus that can figure out how to find an extra two miles an hour for everybody. Absolutely. So continuing, as someone who is watching you on television has seen you a few times in person, the velocity is impressive. But the rise on the fastball seems to get the opposition. <laughs> seems to get the opposition. The vertical break makes it appear to rise. It's not rising, but it seems to be an induced vertical break. I have a little run to my fastball because I'm not as high on my release as last year. I'm more rotational. Beep pop, beep pop, boop, beep, burp. <laughs> release and rotational 
Every time I see someone do that on Twitter and it's not like a, a blue chip, like guy from tribe line, I'm like, you're talking out your ass. Oh yeah. But I mean, this is a, he's been putting this stuff into work. Yeah. So, so, okay. So it sounds like his release point has dropped a little bit. So then rather than his spin rate on his fastball being like closer to 12 o'clock, maybe it's a, that axis is tilted a little bit, which means it's going to, it's going to run a little bit. It's not going to ride quite as much, but right. there's benefits to both. Absolutely. So your fastball sits at about what? It's about 94, 96 and can touch 97. I have a smaller, harder slider and a sweeper slider along with my changeup. So that's what I got for that interview. Really good stuff, you guys. Um, there's a great uh, uh, Adam Mazur interview. There's more Ryan Berger stuff that I had in there that didn't put in there. You guys go to Mad Friars. You want to hear some of these really good interviews with some of these guys. Uh, subscribe to them. And uh, yeah, they do that. I like that Adam Mazur, <laughs> that Adam Mazur interview. He's from North Dakota. Uh, yeah. you know, so being a cold weather guy, I thought it was funny that they asked him something about the first couple of weeks in uh in Fort Wayne. It's kind of balmy, huh? Just for him. I mean, he's used to still being knee deep in snow that time of year sometimes. Uh, can you so, imagine walking a little, a little different perspective? Uh, you guys are soft. You guys are soft. Yeah, you got all the Dominican players that are all bundled up with every layer they can find. And he's out there in short sleeves and gym shorts. Setting <laughs> <laughs> himself at like 10 in the morning in Fort Wayne in April. That's not happening. Right. Uh, all right. So let's move on to the affiliate rundown. Uh, so we'll start in Lake Elsinore with a storm. A strike one on Thursday. Robbie Snelling showed why MLB Pipeline has him 10th overall in their prospect list. Oh, 10th in the top 10 of left-handed starting pitchers. Thank you. Uh, the Reno native struck out eight in his five innings of work. The radar gun wasn't posting consistently, but when it did, 93 was the most consistent number he was throwing. His changeup and curveball posted in the mid to low 80s, respectively. He gave up seven hits and two runs, both unearned. Uh, what Donovan noticed is that he got runner when he got runners on, he would bear down and got out of a couple straight scrapes. The star of the game offensively was Graham Pauly, who slugged a home run and a double, driving in three runs to power the storm offense. Pauly, a 22-year-old Duke product, is batting 308 with an 804, 874 OPS and 156 at-bats for Lake Elsinore in 2023. I've noticed with Graham, he's playing third base, but he's also been DHing quite a bit lately. Yeah. Uh, also with the double and a pair of runs batted in uh, was Charlize Aquino, who went two for three while batting ninth for the Storm. Aquino, a native of the Dominican Republic, is batting 256 with a 574 OPS in 82 at-bats this season. It wouldn't be the daily without an update on Phenom Ethan Salas, who started at DH and went 0 for 3 with a walk. I think that's the only mm -hmm. game that he's been hitless so far. Yeah. Um, and he was uh, he was announced as Lake Elsinore's superstar, Carl's uh, Jr. Superstar Player of the Week. Putting up those Juan Soto on base and walking. like like One thing I noticed about him is if he can't hit it, he's not swinging at it. Even the curveballs right. that even he's seeing curveballs for strikes. Um, he's like, there's nothing I, I can't do nothing with that. So why even swing at it? Well, he's he's identifying spin, and there are yeah. a lot of guys in single A that still can't do that. That are you know college hitters that have a hard time picking up spin, and he's picking it up already at age 16 when most kids are you know soiling their trousers the first time they see a good yeah. breaking ball. I uh, okay. you think about that? I mean, he should be a sophomore in high school this yeah. year. And, and so like you get your first taste of varsity ball all season, you might see one or two guys that can break off a, a halfway decent breaking ball. Yeah. And instead he's facing guys that are throwing 98 and you know, they might be a little wild, but they've got, they've got the stuff. It's just a matter of learning how to harness it. Yeah. One of the things, and, and I'm, I'm glad this didn't come back to bite me, but so grand Pauly let off that game and, you know, I was got my camera. I was just kind of looking around First pitch, I didn't even have my camera set up. Um, first pitch, and Paulie just crushes a pitch. Low inside to the lefty, and, he, and I let out an audible, go! <laughs> like, really loud. And I did look around to see if, like, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not like the press box where you don't cheer in the press box, but you don't certainly go, go! Um, when the opposing, when you're sitting on the opposing team's dugout side, to take pictures of the lefties. Oh, oh you were in the camera well. Yeah, I was in the. I was in the. You know, in the visitor camera well. But uh, I mean, the ball was just smoked. 
Um, Have you seen our friend Gail down there? I haven't. We keep missing each other. We do. We keep missing okay. each other. <clears throat> she was at the game that we went up to. It's nice to say hi to an old friend. All right. So moving on to strike two. So I put strike two and strike three together because Kyle Glazer had a nice write-up um, that I edited for to save time on Ethan Salas. So Ethan Salas set a goal of breaking spring training with a full season affiliate this year. That's an insane a, goal for a 16-year-old to he, put up right. there. It's a great goal. He didn't quite accomplish that, but he still reached full season ball remarkably quickly. Salas made his professional debut at 16 years old with Loa Lake Elsinore this week after the Padres promoted him out of the extended spring training. The Venezuelan catcher who has reached has reached base in seven of his first eight plate appearances with the Storm. Three singles, a double, and three walks over his first two games. He turned 17 this last Thursday. I'm not a super, like, starstruck guy, said Salas. So Ethan Salas was born in, in Florida, moved to Venezuela. So, like, he's from here, but spent most of his childhood in Venezuela. Speaks right. Florida. And so that's one thing that's jumped out to me. So Keith Law had an article on The Athletic and, you know, they've got the comment section at the bottom. And of course, people are down there like, oh, is this kid really 16? Let's check his records. Ha ha ha. Like, come on. This isn't Car what Fausto Carmona from 15 <laughs> years ago. They've tightened that stuff up. And Major League Baseball has gotten a hold of with the international players. They've gotten yeah. a hold on how to clean up the the official records. But Ethan Salas was born in the United States. Yeah. He's yeah. a, he's we'll, a we'll, U.S. citizen. He yeah. has a birth certificate. This there, yeah. there isn't a question about when he was born. There are kids that are 16 years old that are already six foot three that have shoulders out to here. And go to your local high school. You're going to see him. This isn't yeah. you know this isn't Danny Almonte all over again. This kid is who he says he is. I mean, yeah. you can raise whatever questions you want after that, but don't question when the kid was born. Come on. And we'll get into that here in just a second. So I'm not a super like starstruck guy, Salas, said Salas. I'm like, okay, this is just another game because I've been working for this. I've been hearing about it my whole life. Already playing even just two games in full season ball as a 16-year-old has put Salas in rare company. I made sure to put this in here. Julio Urias famously pitched for low A Great Lakes as a 16-year-old in 2013. It is likely that Adrian Beltre briefly appeared for low A Savannah as a 16-year-old in 1996. The South Atlanta League season began on April 4th that season. Beltre made the opening day roster and didn't turn 17 until April 7th. Box scores for Savannah's opening series against Hagerstown are not available. <laughs> That's how old that is. The last time a 16-year-old position player got extended time in full season ball was Edgar Renteria, who played 116 games for low A Kane County in his age 16 season in 1993. He turned 17 on August 7th. There have been discrepancies regarding Renteria's age, but, but his brother told the South Florida Sun Sentinel that Renteria's birth certificate was altered so that he could sign with the Marlins as an underage 15-year-old putting him at low A when he was, in fact, 16. So I want to point out those three players that you just mentioned. So Julio Urias is he's been in the Cy Young conversation pretty much yeah. every year. He's been he's had a full season in the majors. Adrian Beltre is going to walk into the Hall of Fame first ballot. I have yeah. no doubt. And Edgar Renteria had a very long, very successful major league career with some huge postseason moments for the Marlins and the Giants. So Absolutely. that already puts him in some very rare company. This isn't like three kids that were phenoms and washed out. Yeah. Um, I was put here to do this. You know what I mean? So it's not like, oh, that was so crazy. It was like, okay, great. Now let's keep rolling. <clears throat> you want to make sure he's ready to go out from an ability standpoint, but more so is he able to, to transition being outside of complex baseball. Padres farm director Riley Westman said, is he going to take care of his lifts? Is he going to be eating right? Is he going to take care of business away from the field? Is he an individual at 16 years old, basically a high school kid, that you're comfortable sending out? Now, that's the big thing. But once again, you guys, he has been he has been at he's been playing this high-level ball away from home in academies since 12, since 13. Those guys get shipped off at 12 years old. They're signing those contracts. And we reported, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that they're as young as 10, that they're getting promised big money. 
Um, right. And that all, it, 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 it just turns me the wrong way. Uh, yeah. But in this case, yeah. I mean, the point is that he's been playing, he's been playing fairly high pressure baseball yeah. for a while now. So this isn't completely new to him. Um, it's just the uniform that he's wearing, the fans in the crowd, you know, the country that he's playing in more than anything. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing he showed us while in Arizona was he was the first guy into the gym. He was like the first guy to the complex. A lot of those little intangibles that we feel are going to affect the playing side. He was really taking care of business and showed a lot of maturity just as a person. So that was a big thing for us. We're looking for this kid to gain experience, Westman said. He's obviously very young, and we're not looking to push him too quickly. I don't have anything specific to, like, gauge him. <laughs> like, they're flying blind with a kid this young. Um, I wanted to see this kid go out there and develop relationships with those pitchers, have meaningful and quality at-bats on a team that's doing very well right now, and be a big part of that clubhouse. Those are probably some of the biggest things I'm looking out for um, out of Ethan. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about that. Like, It's not just how prepared is the player on the field. It's how prepared is the player off the field. How can they manage you know, – doing their own laundry and, and managing their diet outside of, of the, the locker room spread. Are they going to go out and be a knucklehead when they have some free time? Okay. Um, you know, and it sounds like that's, that's not how Salas is wired that he's driven and he's got the focus, but I like what he was saying there. That he wants to develop relationships with the pitchers. Um, he wants to be a part of the clubhouse. Right. Um, what I've noticed just watching him, the game that I went to, I saw him kind of quiet and reserved and just like, I'm trying to stay out of the way. And I'm curious to see as the season goes by, how does his role develop on that team? Right. You know, communicating right. with everybody and interacting with the other players. Yeah. And he's only catching like twice a week. Like he, They have him DHing, you know, four out of the, you know, four out of the seven days of the week, two days catching one day off. Like he didn't, he wasn't in the lineup on Sunday. So that in that first week, we can you look at the minutia to that, but certainly he's not, he's not going to catch five, six days a week. He may, as we get deeper into the season, um, as he starts to show a little more to the organization that he does that, but they're not going to throw him in there and he's not going to catch, you know, 90, 90, hundred games. There's, it's just not going to happen. Well, but he's got so much other work to do because yeah. they've got they've got their meetings that they're planning the the game planning. He's catching bullpens, I'm sure, on the days that he's not that he's not actually in the game, starting behind the plate. I mean, a catcher has so much work to do outside of those nine innings. Um, so he's going to get his work in one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, all right, so moving a, on to. Yeah. Four Go ahead. Okay, so moving on to Fort Wayne. Strike one on Thursday, Adam Mazur enjoyed one of the finest starts of his young career that has already been impressive, throwing six shutout innings, striking out three, and allowing four hits. The Padres' choice with the 53rd overall draft pick in 2022. Mazur is 0-0 with a 1.45 ERA and 22 strikeouts in 31 innings through seven starts in 2023, his first professional season. As I read that, I'm thinking, wait, how is he... How does he not have oh, no. a win-loss record? <laughs> but it's probably because he's not throwing pitching deep enough. You got to complete five innings to be the pitcher yeah. of record. So if you go four and two thirds, reliever comes in, somebody else is getting credited with the win or the loss. So you don't look at the win and loss. That one point four five ERA is the uh, is the one to look at, and the twenty two strikeouts in thirty one innings. Um, he's allowed just five walks and opposing hitters are hitting just 200 against him. Marcos Castagnon, who smacked a pair of singles to raise his average to 265. The 24-year-old UC Santa Barbara product has five home runs while posting a 750 OPS in 162 at-bats for the 10 caps this season. Uh, again, shout out to Mad Friars. They had an interview with Marcos Castagnon that they put out this week. Yeah, uh, They were focusing more on his defense in, in that. you know What he did to improve as a defender, which kind of, it, st it stood out to me last year. I thought he looked really good at the base, but I guess that's why I'm not a scout. Uh, Jackson Merrill went one for five with a single to extend his hitting streak to five games. The 2021 first round pick is dip batting 409, nine for 22 in the span. Yeah, Jackson started to turn it on, which is really good. And Marcos Castagnon, like, I, I it's amazing he was undrafted. He, you know, that he was, you know, that he was drafted so late in the, in the, in the, in the, in the draft. He hit, what he broke Tatis's record last year? In, well, I mean, he's so he's a right-handed hitter, and he's 
I guess at the time they were looking at him like baseball in general is looking at him. The power hadn't quite broken out. Right. Um, He's not a standout defender. He's not somebody you put at shortstop and, you know, extreme range athleticism, all that stuff. But the guy's a ball player. Yeah. And he's clearly a hard worker. Um, you watch him around the the park, and he fits in so well with everybody. So he's a good teammate. Uh, there's a lot of things to like. So I, I guess that's where you're scouting the person more than the player I- at times. Yeah, hardball. Yep, for sure. Call that kid hardball. So strike two. Friday, the pitching train just kept on rolling. Right-handed Ryan Berger dominated once again as his breakout was in full effect. Berger worked six shutout innings and allowed just two hits. He walked three and struck out five. Over his last 24 innings, Berger has allowed just two earned runs while racking up 26 strikeouts. Walks can be a problem sometimes, but Berger is starting to get results matching his potential on the mound. Friday's outing lowered his ERA to 1.42. Jackson Merrill had three hits, including a double. It was his fourth multi-hit effort in five games for the in five games for the 20-year-old shortstop. Merrill seems to be hitting his stride after shaking off an illness that caused him to miss time in April and May. Like everyone got this stomach bug. Everyone got really sick and everyone spent some time on the, uh, on the IL due to this illness. Now, the- correct me if I'm wrong. Did he have an inside the park little league home run this week? He did. I think it was Saturday. Okay. Friday or Saturday. It, it might've been credited as a double with a two base error kind of thing. Well, he it hit the fence and then it shot. Right across the outfield. I posted on Twitter. Oh, my God. Did you see the inside, the Little League home run in the Rays-Red Sox game yesterday? I did not. Oh, total derailment. Okay, so runner takes off from first base. Uh, The second baseman moves over to cover, so that opens up the gap on the right side. Uh, So the hitter hits a a hard-hit ground ball through that side. Uh, The... Center, the center fielder comes over and the right fielder, and they pick it up. They throw over to second runners coming home. They relay throw home. It sails over the catcher's head runners. Now heading to second base. The catcher throws to, to second uh. sails over the second baseman's head. Nobody went back into the center field to, to back the play up. So the ball just kept on rolling and he went all the way around. It was, I mean, it definitely needed the Benny Hill music. Okay. All right. So get us back on track with Jackson Merrill. Over his last six games, he has 12 for 22 with a double and a homer. Carlos Luis started as the designated hitter and singled twice with a pair of RBIs. Luis has continued to improve at the plate. And while the power hasn't shown up, he's striking out in just 50% of his plate appearances while walking a career high 12% of the time. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's got that big frame, and you see him in in batting practice, and he's just easy launching missiles over the fence. But then in in game, it's like the mechanics change, and he's he's a ground ball hitter in game. So I don't know if he's going to be able to 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 flip that switch to be able to become that line drive fly ball kind of a guy because he's got the power. It's just a matter of getting to it. And we uh, when I talked to Albert Fabian, he. We talked about Carlos Luis because they were roommates last year. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Fabian's the opposite of that. He's a fly ball yeah. guy. He puts yeah. the ball in the air. Yeah. And it's he's fun to watch. Okay, so strike three. On Sunday, Victor Lizarraga picked up his first win of the season. The 19-year-old righty recorded only two strikeouts, but induced plenty of weak contact. He faced just two men over the minimum through the first four innings, but allowed, allowed a homer and an infield single in the fifth. Finished the game, finished the frame with a strikeout and a ground out. Lizarraga continues to work to find a consistent breaking ball and has a 4.83 ERA in just 31 and two-thirds innings of work this year. So you don't read too much into the ERA because it's a small sample size and he's still finding his way. Uh, Juan Zabala and Jacob Marcy each drove in a pair of runs and scored during the rally. Marcy, who finished the day with a pair of hits, also swiped his organization best 16th base in the contest. Outfielder Justin Farmer paced the club with three hits to cap a strong series against the Cubs. The 24-year-old, acquired as an undrafted free agent in 2021, hit in five of the six games of the series, going seven for 21 with a pair of doubles. Yeah, he had a really good week. He had a really good week. All right, so take us to San Antonio, Donovan. Right, San Antonio. <clears throat> Strike one. Thursday, Jackson Wolf. Woo! Continues to deal. The Southpaw delivers San Antonio's second straight sublime Southpaw start. Southpaw start. Um, holding Frisco at bay for six innings while two hits with only two hits and two walks against eight strikeouts. 
The six foot seven Wolf, a fourth round pick by the Padres in 2021, recorded his second consecutive quality start, following up six one run innings on May 26th against Amarillo. Justin Lopez picked up his third hold of the season with two innings of one hit ball. Lopez is likely a familiar name to longtime Padres prospects followers as he debuted in the system as a shortstop back in 2017. He played in Lake Elsinore. Uh, the position he played until midway through the 2022 season when he went to Peoria to begin the converser, com- conversation, the conversion to pitching after going 4-0 with a .87 ERA and nine appearances, five in Peoria, four with Lake Elsinore last year. Lopez reported to San Antonio for 2023, and so far the results have been impressive with a 1.69 ERA and 16 strikeouts and 16 innings of work for the missions. Tirso Ornelas, who went deep for his fourth home run of the season in the third inning, Ornelas now has a, eight, a 686 OPS, and he seems to be hitting a little bit better as well. Right, right. Uh, strike two on Saturday, Efren Contreras had a wobbly night and the defense didn't help. The right-hander surrendered the lead in the first inning despite not allowing a base hit. Contreras surrendered three more runs, all earned, but had seven strikeouts in five innings of work and got the win. Friend of the podcast, Aaron Leisure, tossed one and a third scoreless innings while allowing three hits. Jose Espada contributed with one and two-thirds scoreless frames. Lastly, Nick Hernandez secured his fifth save with a perfect ninth inning. Tirso Ornelas continues to pick up steam, going three for four. His bases loaded single drove in two runs. He also had a double and a walk. So that's another kind of example of Contreras with, with like he, you know, you, you know, it's got the stat line, but you look at the strikeouts, you know, and he, he can, the inconsistency there is once you get to double a, you more than likely can play major league baseball. It's the consistency that matters. Um, and if you can do it consistently in double a, uh, it's just triple a is just, you know, kind of even with the, you know, with, with the West coast teams, triple a is kind of where you really meet the rubber meets the road with pitching and playing in the in Pacific coast league. Right. Yeah. I mean, and Contreras is already on the 40 man roster. So he's one of these guys that if he got hot at the right time, he could have an opportunity, but he's got to prove it right now. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I went back to work for the first time since uh, my hip, my hip surgery. And one of the, uh, one of the students that I'd never met before um is a little bit older and, and comes from Lancaster. I'm like, oh yeah, I, and I got a money podcast, and you know we used to always talk to the to the pitchers in in the league, and they hated going to Lancaster because it was so windy. She's like, yeah, my my husband is there, and and he and he's like, God, it's so windy up here. So yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, Angela and I got up there for uh, for one of the last games there. Uh, it was late in the season with Lake Elsinore, and it was. I mean, it really is a launching pad. And it's up at elevation, but that wind just starts blowing. And the way that yeah. field is oriented, it it points like center field is pointing northeast. So it's just a wind tunnel through there. Uh. Strike three. Strike three. Nolan Watson only uh, allowed only five free passes through his first 28 and a third innings of the season, but has issued three each in his last two starts. The one-time Royals first-rounder out of high school has posted a 4.75 ERA in 140 AA innings since signing with the Padres as a minor league free agent before last season. Cole Cummings has continued to show he belongs in AA, connecting on his second homer in nine games since the promotion. The 24-year-old left-handed hitter has a .954 OPS in his first 30 at-bats with the missions. Uh, He impressed at the plate in the first half of last season, his first full year of professional baseball after the Padres signed him as an undrafted free agent out of UC Santa Barbara in 2021. So former teammate of Castagnon. Uh, Alec Jacob tossed another scoreless inning, extending his streak to 10 and a third frames over seven outings. The 24-year-old righty has posted an impressive 14 to one strikeout to walk ratio in that stretch. His funky movement and unique movement on his pitches has a have led to an eye-catching 15 to 21 mark. That's strikeouts to walks in 93 career innings. So reading that makes me think of Tom Cosgrove. He's somebody that when you watch him pitch, he doesn't have eye-popping strikeout stuff, no. but he has the kind of he's got that the release point is a little bit different. The movement is a little bit different, and he commands it well enough that he's avoided the run so far and yeah. Alec Jacob throws from the other side. He's a righty like perfect horizontal sidearm. Uh, but the ball does some weird stuff when it comes out of his hand. 
So I could see him earning a right, you know, earning his way up, even though he's not a hard thrower. Yeah. What we just read about earlier is like one of the things that the organization is really pressing. But when you got movement like that and when you got movement like Cosgrove, you there is room for you in the major leagues. I want to talk about Cole Cummings, how he a the 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 promotion was a little bit kind of I kind of scratched my head on that. Like, why is he is it because he's 24? I mean, he's a non-drafted guy. You know, did they need someone up there for him to be up there? And dude, he is. I've watched a couple of those at bats. He's he's there, man. He's he's not leaving. Yeah, usually the undrafted free agents, they wind up. I mean, it's unfortunate. They wind up being the guys that are that are thrown around a little bit more. You know, they're put into their oh, we need somebody at double A, we need somebody at triple A, we need somebody down at Fort Wayne, and they they bounce around. They but then when they perform, the opportunities will present themselves. Yeah. I, it's yeah. an unfortunate part of, of minor league baseball that your top prospects, they have a path that's laid out for them. And it's pretty, and then they kind of things are, are, are put in place to help move them along while the guys at the back end, they really need to scratch and claw for the opportunities that they get. So when you hear about somebody like Cole Cummings uh, being an undrafted free agent and then going out here and, and kick and tail like he has been this year in double a, I'm posting a 954 OPS this year. Uh, you know, you got to root for the guy. Hell yeah. So let's move on to El Paso and get you guys out of here. We really appreciate you guys uh, hanging on for this long episode. Strike one. Right, Wednesday. So go ahead. Well, Jose Iglesias, who opted out and then resigned with the Padres, went full on video game. Like this is the second time a player has opted out. I don't know if it's more money or how that worked with uh, with Tehran, but it happened with uh, Jose Iglesias. Well, Tehran opted out. opted out, and then he was able to get a deal with the Brewers and move right into the starting rotation. Right, and so then do I, quite well. I, I got no problem with that. You know, go get that big league paycheck. Maybe Iglesias thought that opportunity was out there somewhere, but, I mean, he's left and come back a couple of times now. Yeah, and, you know, maybe some of these guys, these journeyman guys that, you know, other teams have kind of given up on could be what it takes to the bottom to turn it around. I mean, Gary Sanchez has not done too bad, like we've talked about before. Um, and sure, do you want to talk about the defense, but the dude's getting – he's hitting bombs and he's getting the hits. Um, hell, even when he hits the ball hard, I'm okay with that because he's hitting the ball. When you're swinging and missing all the time, um, you know, like Noah has been doing, he's been struggling, and that's fine. Um, you don't need to give yourself a chance. Um, so back to Jose Iglesias. Um, went on full on video game. Iglesias hit three home runs. That's as many home runs as he hit all of last year for Colorado. He drove in eight runs. His 16 total bases are the most he has produced in any game as a professional. So Despite that's him three home runs and two doubles. <laughs> Despite a month of games under his belt, this one game raises slugging 130 points. Um, not to be outdone, Jansen White hit a grand slam in the third inning, then came up again with the bases loaded in the fifth and singled home a pair. After striking out with two runners on in the seventh, White redeemed himself with another RBS single in the eighth. White came, um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Wit or White uh, came up. Wait, four I think times. it's Witty. Is it Witty? Yeah. Witty came up four times with a runner on third and had a hit in three of them. <laughs> Um, this is the score. It was like 20 to seven. It was just crazy. Right fielder Taylor Colway reached base five times on the night. Colway has now reached base in 10 consecutive games and firmly left his April struggles behind with a 474 on base percentage and a 609 slugging percentage in May. I believe they were playing the Las Vegas Aviators last yeah. week. Yeah. And so they're fielding an arguably weak triple a roster at the major league level. I can only imagine what their double, a, their triple a roster looks like right now. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, strike two on Thursday, Pedro Avila got things started with three scoreless innings, striking out five while only allowing two hits. It was a nice start to June for the veteran righty and hopefully the continuation of a trend toward improving after posting a 12.36 ERA in 19 and two thirds innings across six appearances in April, Avila cut it to 7.2 in five appearances. The total just 10 innings in May. Reese Kinnear logged his fourth win of the season with three innings of one hit ball and four strikeouts. Again, minor leagues, he's coming in as a middle reliever, so he's vulturing some wins there. 
Uh, Kinnear has mirrored his usual role with the Padres this year in El Paso, making long appearances out of the bullpen and has thrived to the tune of a 1.19 whip and 13 strikeouts in 29 and a third innings to go along with the 3.99 ERA. Brett Sullivan slugged a pair of doubles and scored two runs, raising his average to 298 and his OPS to 853 in the process. Uh, by the way, shout out to Brett Sullivan for hitting two home runs in yesterday's game, one of the traditional variety and one of the one inside of the, the park. Right. <laughs> yeah, slightly little league aspect to it. Uh, Preston Tucker had yet another big night at the plate, going four for five with a home run, driving three, driving in three runs while scoring three of his own. The veteran outfielder is batting 357 with a 1.180 OPS in 129 at bats for El Paso in 2023. I didn't see that this spring out of him, so he's no. found something in El Paso. Yeah, and he's a little bit older. I think he's 32, so he's he's got some he's got some years on him. Um, but once again, these guys are knocking on the door. And you seen him with, uh, with you know, with, with Sully coming up. Or, what do they call him? Bubba? It's not Bubba or Bubu or um, his nickname. Uh, and Brandon Dixon, you know, yesterday got a knock, you know, a sack fly, scored a run. Like, you give these guys some opportunities, some consistent opportunities. And, you know, they, they're taking the chance and they are making the, uh, you know, they're running with it. For sure. I've enjoyed watching Brandon Dixon get some opportunities this week. Yeah, and that's that's half the fun watching these games is watching these guys really get a chance to shine, not only for the Padres, but for other organizations as well. So moving on, strike three. Send of the Aviators took advantage of a sloppy inning from Angel Philippe to walk off with a win and earn a split of the series. Philippe, who is still pumping fastballs at 97 and 98 on Sunday, hit the leadoff better, uncorked a wild pitch on strike three, and was victimized by a pair of stolen bases before a single-plated the winning run. <laughs> the massive variety has struck out 32 in 20 innings of work, but has allowed 13 free passes as he continues to struggle to find a consistent release point with his long release. His 7.20 ERA is nearly double the mark that he earned him that earned him a spot on the 40-man roster last summer. Kevin Plowecki, who enjoyed the wonders of having Las Vegas as a home ballpark, coming up as a Mets prospect last decade. Well, it's only three years into this one. It's not they made that sound so much longer than <laughs> um, connected on his third homer in nine games since signing with the Potters organization last month. The 32-year-old, who was a 654 OPS and more than 1,400 big league plate appearances, has a 956 mark with only two strikeouts and 34 at-bats for the Chihuahuas. Right into Bill Chrismat, who can spend up to 10 more days on his rehab assignment, worked a scoreless inning. He is now allowed... Seven earned runs on ten hits and nine or two thirds innings since joining El Paso. So much like you know Matt Waldron, who doesn't throw hard but has the knuckleball that kind of stays up in the zone. Nabil does. Nabil doesn't throw hard. Um, a lot right. of a lot of flood being. He has a fastball. I think it's in the low nineties. Yeah, I think he can touch like ninety four. That's yeah. that's about where where he tops out. Um, but so everything else is off speed. And the, he relies ball. on the location and the deception yeah. and all that. So Plowecki, you don't read a whole lot into that 956 OPS for him. He's a glove first catcher. Uh, but you know, you never know when somebody, you know, you might have an opportunity. Who knows what's gonna happen to Austin Nola? Uh, yeah. But yeah, nice to put, see him getting comfortable right away. Absolutely. And you know, they put Camposano on the 60 day. So Camposano is probably not gonna come back till I would think maybe August at at, at the earliest. I mean, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Um but we have, you know, we're into June now, July, maybe late July that he might go out to a, go out to a rehab. Right. Yeah. Well, wrist surgery, you never, you never know how that's going to re how that's going to come back. So they're probably, I, I, really I liked what we saw out of Brett Sullivan. He yeah. seemed to start to be coming into his own. He's had a couple of really nice plays on defense, uh, a couple of key hits in, in big situations. I wouldn't mind seeing a righty lefty duo of Gary Sanchez and Brett Sullivan at some point. Well, and, and Sullivan actually that play that he made behind the, uh, the, the tag at the, at the plate. Yeah. Made plays of the month this last Sunday. Oh, beautiful, beautiful play. Yeah. So one last little piece of news here, the ACL, the Arizona complex league and the D Dominican summer league, both open play this week. 
So we're going to start seeing those in the Mad Friars write-ups. Uh, you don't see a whole lot of video from either of those unless it's somebody actually at the uh, the fields who's posting it. Uh, but you see the box scores, and there are some scouting reports to come out from those places. So those you'll start seeing those in our in our rundowns. Yeah. So if you guys want to stick around for that, because that's going to be the end of of the affiliate rundown. You'll hear him here first. You'll read about him a second in, in well, you'll read, you'll read about him in Mad Friars, and you'll hear about him from us here on Friars in the Farm. Well, um, we also try to scour all the other resources on the internet to give you all the information we can. We're scouring the internet for minor league content. That's right. All right. Well, so if you have any feedback, let us know. Hit that follow button, subscribe, tell your family and friends, whatever. Uh, we do this for free, just for fun. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. And until next time, you can catch me on Twitter. I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. You go to Apple Podcasts, go to Google Play, go to Spotify, give us the finger, give us a rating, um, give us a smash on the like button. It all helps us um, get our subscription up. Um, I I got to pimp this thing like no one's business, but I can't, you know, hey, I got a money podcast. Uh, that's, that's a nice guy. Great. Fantastic. We got we got business cards now. Right. And we have a little clip. I have it on the front of our um, Instagram and our, our, our Twitter page. You can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. Let's go Padres. Let's grow Padres, maybe. Ooh, let's I like grow. that. Let's, let's, grow. Grow. let's grow. Just grow. <laughs>